Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Hey everybody, hope everyone's doing well out there today. I have a special treat. Uh, one of my best friends in the entire world is here to, to help me with this podcast today. His name is Aaron. Aaron, say hi to everybody. Hi, how's it going? Aaron is from Michigan and he and I spent uh, a lot of good times in Michigan growing and learning together, serving together, ministering together. And he is here visiting from Michigan. So we have an opportunity to do this podcast together. And we want to talk about a word called steadfastness that I don't think is a word we use a lot in our culture, but it comes up in the Bible several times. And this past Sunday, we were talking about trials from James chapter 1. And there's a word in there called steadfastness that seems pretty important to the process of what trials are seeking to produce. And it's that word we want to talk about today is steadfastness. Of course, we want to talk about trials because that's the topic of James chapter 1. But steadfastness, as I mentioned, is pretty important to that process. And so we just have a few items that we want to discuss. And we want to start with this, number one. And H, I think you'd agree with me that, um, I call him H, by the way. His name is Aaron, but (laughs) I've called him H for a long, long time. But um, H, I think you'd agree with me that uh, we have a wrong misconception about our days and our lives. Like we expect our days to go in a proper, good fashion. And then when they don't, it kind of rattles us and hard things, difficult, painful things kind of throw us off our feet sometimes. Do you think there's a wrong misconception about how our days and our lives are supposed to go, uh, at least according to the Bible? Would you agree with that? I think there is. I mean, I, I think maybe part of the problem is that even we're, we're kind of made to be eternal beings. We're made to be in a perfect kingdom in the garden. So we we're, we weren't really designed to have trial and suffering. Okay. And so maybe that makes sense why we shy away from it and we don't like it. Yeah. And try to avoid it. And we don't, it's just not something we like. I try to be pretty transparent with you guys. And I, I, I am that way. I, t- I mentioned on Sunday how I like, I like to picture the ideal day. Um, although it never, it never happens that way. And I mentioned on Sunday... <laughs> How I have these days sometimes where it's filled of it's full of things that annoy me, things of just minor annoyances, traffic, and you know, getting toothpaste on my shirt, and just little things. But they all pile up, and I, I end up being a frustrated version of myself. And I think I think the problem is because I still expect maybe an ideal atmosphere, and and mm. and I, I don't know how to handle difficulties still, even though I'm 40 years old and I've had my share of difficult things. It's it's like this too, like the the other day. We were going somewhere, and I, I still can't remember to bring my mask. It's 2020. We've mm-hmm. been in this pandemic for five months, and a mask to me is still not organic, okay? I still can't rem- – I remember my watch and my keys and my wallet and my cell phone. But the mask, I always leave at home. I always leave in the car. I have to go back and get it. I've been wearing it basically every day for five months, and I still can't remember it. Trials – and it says trials of various kinds in James 1 – still seem that way to me. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had my share, and I, I go through dozens of trials – Every year, maybe every month, but they still seem so foreign, like a foreign object in my eye, and I, I, I don't know what to do with them. And I, I think what we're saying today is we, we have a wrong misconception about what this life is now, where before it was created to be ideal. God can only create things good and pleasant and peaceable and right. So God did create the universe that way. We're the ones that broke it. But we did break it. Now sin is here. 
And now this, this life on earth has become a journey. It's not an idyllic, happy oasis that we try to all live our best lives now. That's just not the reality. What we are is we're all in a process of being made like our Lord Jesus. And even if you read First Peter, Second Peter, they bring up like it, it's basically like being put through fire. And it, brings, it burns the impurities out of you. And that's a painful process to be put through fire so that you can become pure. But without that fire, we don't become pure. Is there a way that we can, we can wrap our minds around what this life is supposed to be versus what we expect it to be just by our common culture? Is there a way that we can biblically get on the right page with God to say, okay, it is not what I expect it to be. It is not what I want it to be. It is only what Christ thinks is best for my life. Is there a way that we can move toward that in our minds to actually, and I guess my question is this, is can we prepare ahead of time in our mind for trials that haven't come yet? Would you say yes to that? Would you say there's a mindset that we can get to that even though we don't know what the next wave is going to look like, we can help ourselves by doing the mind homework now? to prepare for a coming wave, a coming storm? Would you say yes to that? I think so. I think there's at least some degree that we could. I mean, if like the opposite would be to not even consider the possibility of, of any okay. uh, struggles or challenges or uh, suffering and being un- totally unprepared. And there's certainly ways that we could think about things that where we could start to expect trials. We can start to expect that. Well, the Bible says that we will suffer, so maybe that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think the mindset is really going to help us. I, I, I guess I call it mind homework, that if we don't do what we need to do right now, then we're not going to be in a good position when the trial comes. Mm. And I, I, I am sick and tired, I really am, H, of being thrown off my feet by the difficult things of life. I'm sick of making progress. And then something like 2020 comes and I make a whole bunch of steps backwards. Mm. I'm tired of that because I'm not a, I'm not a man who likes to waste my time and and you know live in a almost like a a gerbil on a wheel going nowhere. I like to mm. feel like I'm building towards something. We we mentioned even before we started recording how trials kind of feel the opposite. When we're in the midst of them, doesn't it feel like we're regressing and we're moving away from our destination and our goal? Would you say that's accurate? Is that how you feel in the midst of trials? Yeah, for sure. It feels like I'm getting knocked down. I'm getting pushed backwards a lot of times. And a lot of times you don't feel progress, even if the reality is there is progress behind it. We just don't see it. And we likened it to working out in the gym, which Mm -hmm. you and I are not (laughs) probably not the best examples of of gym rats, but, um, we've done our share. I've done my share of working out. And I, 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 I too have, have questioned, I've questioned the process of working out because I don't see immediate long-term results after two weeks, you know, I expect to look like Sylvester Stallone and I don't, and I, and I'm wondering, well, have I got any stronger at all? Is this actually doing anything any good? I, in fact, my muscles hurt, you know, my, my bones hurt my, everybody, everything hurts and screaming at me. Is am, am I actually producing some strength? And I guess that's where we have to say, let the Bible stand over how we feel. Hmm. Feeling isn't the best litmus test for what's actually happening. Because, I mean, honestly, sometimes you go to the gym 
and you feel quite pumped up after one episode of lifting weights, but you're not that pumped up after one episode. It's just a feeling. And even in the morning when you feel like every muscle is crying out to you, that's actually a good pain because that means you, you're testing your muscles and putting them under a strength training that they're not used to. And so even, even you would go, well, the pain is bad. Maybe I shouldn't do that again. Well, no, pain's an evidence of something good happening. And you would say the same thing for trials, pain's an evidence? I think so. Of some yeah, good things happening? Proof that, yeah, that there is growth. I want to ask this question about the word steadfastness because I told you we don't ask, we don't use this word a lot. Um, what is it? Or maybe I can ask it this way. You can answer either what is the word mean or what's a good representation of steadfastness. Help us understand what that word looks like. What do you think about when you think of steadfastness? Something from, you can either answer what's the definition of it, which I think we talked about on Sunday, but well, how do you see the word steadfastness? Give us an image of what that looks like. Um, I mean, yeah, the way that I see steadfastness is like not being willing to give up, to not being, uh, when you fall down, which you will inevitably, we all fall down at times, not just staying down, but always getting up, always standing and pushing forward regardless of what happens. Um, you see a lot of examples of that in, um, in war, for example, you want the people on your side that are going to keep fighting and not just retreat. Um, you definitely want the guys that are going to, no matter what happens, no matter how hard they're hit, they're still here, they're committed, they're going forward. Um, yeah. Use the example you gave me, of, even though I haven't seen this movie of the superhero, just give because I thought that was an interesting example of, of steadfastness. Mm -hmm. Just explain that like you did to me. Yeah, and so in the first... Avengers, uh, the Captain America movie, um, before Captain America gets uh, whatever he does to make him really strong, one of his defining attributes is he, he gets beat up a lot, but every time he gets beat up, every time somebody knocks him down, he always gets back up, and that was kind of one of the, the highlights of the beginning of, like, to show his character um, as somebody who endured and who, somebody who was never going to just stay down. And so that was, a, that was the quality of that man and that superhero is that he did get hurt, mm -hmm. but he kept getting back up. Yep, exactly. And honestly, that's probably a good picture of steadfastness. It's not that we don't get hurt or get knocked back, mm. but it's that we keep going forward. You brought up war. I think another good picture is, is what happened at Omaha Beach. They call it D-Day, right? Mm. And at D-Day, uh, we lost a lot of casualties. A lot of people died. But our strategy was quite simple and actually quite ingenious. Is we were going to unload thousands of men off boats onto the shore. And we knew. We knew they were going to be from an elevated position. They were going to be shooting at us. We were going to lose a lot of casualties. But we also had the strategy that we were going to keep moving up the hill. Hmm. Those who didn't get killed would keep progressing up the hill. And we wouldn't stop until we took the beach. And that's a defining moment in American history because we did take the beach. We did lose a lot of casualties. It's a really sad event, but the strategy worked. We kept moving up the hill, and we, we basically advanced and overwhelmed the German army and, and machine guns because there, there weren't enough of them to match our people. We lost a lot of people when we took the beach, and that was a defining, uh, I think, that swung the battle, if I'm, if I'm right, um, towards the Allies and against the Axis. And, and so 
and that was steadfastness. I mean, it's not that we didn't get hurt and lose a lot of people. We did, but we, we didn't stop. We didn't look around us and go, oh, people are getting shot. Right? Everybody run back to the boats. We didn't expect that would happen. I, trials are that way. I, we, we should expect fire and um, attacks from the devil. And we should expect aches and pains. I mean, that happens in life without Christ. But in the Christ, it's, it's further um, exacerbated by the fact that we are now seeking to become like our Lord. We are now seeking to obey his will in a land that doesn't accept that kind of thing. I mean, if they didn't accept our Lord, they're not going to accept us. And steadfastness and trials, they often seem, like you said, contrary to what God's plan is. Because when I go through a trial and I don't handle it perfectly, it's like, my, I just took six steps back after my four steps forward. And now I'm actually worse off now than I was before. Now now I'm going backwards. And that's not the reality because what happens is, is I'm learning how to handle trials. I am getting back up by God's grace. It's not the end of my chapter. It's not the end of my story. I get back up, even though I have to confess a few things, and I keep moving forward. And then something similar comes to me the next time, and I'm a little bit more apt to handle it. And I'm going to be honest. When I, when I started my job as a pastor, I wasn't very prepared to handle pastor type of trials. Past, being a pastor has a very specific set of trials that pastors go through that I didn't go through before I was a pastor. And when I became a new pastor, I wasn't ready for those things. Those things kind of threw me off my feet. Now, although they're not, they're not something I look forward to and they are painful, I know a, a little bit how to endure them. And I kind of expect them, if I'm honest. Where before, I'm not sure I did expect them. And so two things happened. It strengthened me for them. And now I kind of expect them. And I guess that's our last thing. Is, is that how we change our perspective on trials? Is to expect them, to prepare for them, and not necessarily handle them perfectly or not get hurt or not get knocked down, but get back up. Is that what you'd say about trials? How we help ourselves, change our mindset, expect them, and then be willing to move forward? Yeah, commit to just getting up every time you fall. Yeah, and keep going no matter what the what the cost is. Which isn't a very romantic picture of Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. You want to picture the guy that never gets hurt, bullets bounce right off him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, you, if we're going to take the Apostle Paul as the example, he's another good picture of steadfastness. Because he, he was hurt. He was bit by a snake. <laughs> he was dragged through the streets. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned and locked in a dungeon. But the greatest thing about Paul is not that he didn't get hurt, because he, he got hurt a lot, but the, the fact is he just kept going. He just kept moving the ball down the field. Joseph is another good example of that in the Old Testament. Thrown into a ditch. His brothers lied and said an animal ate him. They sold him into slavery. I mean, that would be enough right there for most of us to go, okay, you know, God must hate me. Or maybe God doesn't exist. But Joseph keeps going. Uh, he becomes the head of Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife lies and says she came after him. And Potiphar throws him into jail. He meets two friends and interprets their dreams. And, and then he's going, well, at least they'll remember me when they get out of jail. They don't. They forget him. So he's left in jail even longer. And it's like, man, Joseph, your life's a train wreck, you know? I mean, why haven't you given up already? And I, that's that's what wins. I mean, you, you use a war analogy or a sports analogy. The teams that don't give up are resolute or relentless. Those are the ones that are hard, hard to beat. Not the necessarily naturally gifted ones. And I think the devil knows that. He's knocked down the rich. He's knocked down the educated. He's taken over big churches. What he hasn't beaten is a steadfast Christian church Christian individual who will not 
give up, who will not say, that's the end. I didn't expect pain. I don't like pain. And I want out of this race immediately. But to say, okay, that hurt. I don't, I don't understand it. Because in, in scripture, you could tell, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. I don't think we're supposed to necessarily understand every aspect of trials. But that's not the point. The point is to have clarity on why the trials came. The point is to move forward. And if we can do that, then we're going to help ourselves. Because trials are now sent as something that strengthens us, strengthens our muscles for a coming attack that we can't even see. 2020, no one saw this coming. The most educated people in the world could not have envisioned 2020 would look like this, right? And every time that when this pandemic came, everybody had the same reaction. What do we do? What is this? How do we react to this? And we're all second guessing ourselves going, is this right? Should we do this? Should we not do this? Because none of us have been there before and it rocked us all. But if America survives this and even more profoundly, the church survives this, it's not because we didn't get hurt or we didn't act improperly at all. It's because we get back up and because we keep moving. And that's steadfastness. Steadfastness is the waves do hit you. It does rock your boat, but you keep moving forward in trust, in obedience. Because it's not, this isn't existing on its own. It's in the context of following and obeying our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He has a goal for us. That goal is for us to become like him. And that's what James says. He says, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I mean, it should blow our minds that one day we will be so like our Lord Jesus. I don't belong in that table. I don't belong at the head table, at the banquet table with my Lord. But I will be, and you will be, if we remain steadfast. And it won't be, hey, did you do this perfectly without sin? No, that's not the question. The question is, is did you continue to trust and obey for the rest of your life without quitting? Because if you did, you followed Jesus. If you did, you loved him. If you did, his grace was upon you. And I think that's a way we help ourselves handle this this really awkward topic called trials. Because <laughs> it's, it's not even a comfortable thing to talk about, let alone go through. Um, is there anything else you'd say about trials to help ourselves as we close here? Um, I, I think that, yeah. Is there, is there any way, let's talk about the joy thing right before we close. Cause he says, count it all joy. What is that? What is that to count it all joy? Be happy that trials are here. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's very realistic to ask that. Yeah. You just plaster this smile on your face through trials. That, that, that's not realistic. Um, it seems like it's, it's gotta be speaking more to some, some kind of peace or some kind of like a joy within yourself or a joy looking forward to what we're going to get in eternity um, Okay. when we're with our Lord. Maybe a falling back on his promises, a remembrance of what he is and who mm. he is. That uh, Again, there's an, there's an initial thing the wave does when it hits you. It sends you backwards. Mm. <clears throat> and the question isn't that. A wave sends you backwards. The question is, is what do you do then? Mm. That's when you and I have the choice. 2020 sent us all backwards. I don't think that was the wrong, I don't think that was the sinful behavior. I think the sinful behavior comes from the reaction we have to that. And trials are the same thing. Trials are not sin. Trials are sent from God. And even the initial um, impact the trials make upon us, I don't think, I want to be careful, but I don't think that's necessarily a sinful thing. I think what can be righteous or sinful is how we react to that. Do we neglect God? Do we forget God? Or do we remember what he's done? 
And do we keep moving? Do we get up another day and say, he's still good. He's still God. He still loves me. He's still on his throne. Hmm. And I still want this. And that's the difference maker to have that peace, to have that security that he's, he's God. He's always been God. I've seen his evidence in my life and I'm going to trust him going forward. Hmm. Anyways, I know that's, again, that's probably the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more that could be said, but we want to talk and think about how to produce steadfastness in our life because steadfastness, it is the winner. It is the game changer of the Christian life. Trials come to all of us and the goal is perfection, completion, lacking in nothing. And the middle part that changes everybody from what we are now to Christ-likeness is one word, steadfastness. That is the catalyst, the crux, the winning element to this Christian life is will we go forward? And 2020, if you're still going forward... You're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. And we're going to get there. So I, pl- I pray that you'd be encouraged. H, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, and uh, we'll do another one next week. Many blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.